Welcome to another episode of the Nimrod Generation Podcast, where space is the final frontier, then the beer run, the corner store is the first step there. I'm Leo, and with me as always is that boy Vincent. What's up, Vincent? Hey, what's going on? All right. <clears throat> Man, New Year's. We are here. We've made it. Uh, happy New Year's, Vincent. Hey, Happy New Year. So... As we always do, we always start sipping. We we've gone to the to the corner store, got something to drink. What you sipping on today, Vincent? Uh, right now I've got the uh, German one of the German beers. I still have one or two left. It's uh, as far as I can guess, Meine Grosse Liebe Helles Beer aus Bayern. Hmm. It's a German Hellas. Like a Heffenweiser? Or... No, because then I would say Heffe. Ah. Well, I guess I've never had that kind of beer before. Me, I decided to go down next to the beer store and get me something at the liquor store. Nine Bandit Straight Bourbon Whiskey from Austin, Texas. Felt like drinking like a cowboy tonight. Yeah. Not the football team, but you know. Yeah, that's all you do. Oh, 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 hold up, man. Ravens flock right here. Ravens flock all the way. You got me home slice? No, I don't. So we thought we, uh, since we're not going to be looking at fireworks live, I thought we'd go with a very bright, full movie to uh to talk about today and we are be we are talking about tron 1982 a lot of people it's it's always up in the air either people like this film either people hate this film you know usually i never actually ever have a biased opinion on either this or the sequel to it but it was directed by steven Leinberg. Leiberg? Leiberger. Lisberg? Yeah, Lisberger. Berg or Burger? Well, I wrote down Burger, so. Were you hungry? No. All right, man. So, okay, so I know a lot of shit was, like, wrong with the make, not the making of this film, but, like, it had... A lot of issues going into it. Warner Brothers didn't want it. Uh, MGM didn't want it. Uh, I forgot what other like you, but mainly the big companies did not want a piece of this action. So it ended up Walt Disney Studios are the ones who picked it up and ran ran with it, trying to make it a franchise. So do you do you have any memories with this film? To start off with, before we actually get into the film itself, did you do you have anything that you have like, oh, man, uh, when was the first time you watched it? Because for me, it was an honest, I watched it as a child. So it's I have vague memories of like the blue lights and this and this and that and that and like the final battle. But other than that, I don't have like rec- recollection of it. No, I mean, I remember watching it when I was growing up I don't remember the very first time I watched it because I watched it a lot when I was younger mm-hmm. so I mean I think the obviously the light cycle stood out and then taking over the uh, the destroyers <laughs> yeah that was one funny scene on that one of those yeah so yeah man we have it's how would man? How would we explain this film? It's it's an easy it's an easy that's the thing about this film, and it even it's a, even an hour and a half. That's what that's what surprises me the most. Yeah, it's a very short film that gets straight to the point. It does what it it tells the story in very fast paced way, but it's not like nothing is really missing. Yeah, and I actually I really enjoyed that. I'm like damn, like this was this was 
perfect. Like, I know sometimes I've asked for more, but this was like everything was just kind of just handed to you on a plate. Like, here's the story. Here you go. You, they didn't really, like, use, like, um, many extra scenes. You know what I mean? Like, extra dialogues, unnecessary yeah. and all that. Everything just flowed pretty good in this film. That I enjoyed that a lot about it. Yeah, there wasn't too much that they wasted time on or, like you say, unnecessarily showing this or that thing that wasn't even going to be part of the story later on. Yeah. Or never fully realized. So the basic concept of the story is we have Kevin Flynn. That was Kevin, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Kevin Flynn, uh, he, he created a couple of video games, but they were stolen from him so he's been hacking the systems to encom which is the company that fired him so he's, he's just trying to get the the light the rights it's at first you think oh hey um you know this guy's just like trying to break into the the system to like embezzle some money or something but no he's just trying to get the proof that he created those like was it five games yeah the proof that he created the five games that dillinger want the the new CEO or whatever Dillinger wound up stealing. So yeah, and the Encom has this like supercomputer that pretty much was before uh, what was Skynet. So it ends up using this laser that uh, dematerializes matter. Or just I don't know. If, Everything they sapped it with actually send it to a digital world, but they end yeah, up it was basically it. digitizing real items. Okay, so they they digitized Kevin because I felt that was the most awkward position to be <laughs> pointing a laser for that computer. By the way, yeah, that's how I kept like, hey, there's no like even a blank sheet of safety glass or something, just in case the damn laser goes off. Yeah. unexpectedly true that so he gets teleported to this world this digital world and so our story would begin it's just a whole concept of it's almost like the the world kind of how do i explain how do you how, how would you say he's basically like, in the world quote-unquote world of the computer systems for this company mm-hmm and the computer system has the one program that's in charge of everything. And yeah, he was trying to break into it to get the proof of all that stuff. But the computer also gets rid of programs that it deems unnecessary or problematic by making them play video games based upon the games that the company made. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. It's pretty much these little computers trying to little digitize data, trying to free themselves from this programs. They're yeah. programs. That's why he says greetings programs. Ah, if we ever have a third or fourth installment, they're gonna be apps. Could be. Well, an app is still a program, isn't it? God, you boiled down. <laughs> All right, man, let's talk about the look of the film. What'd you think of it? Does it hold up? A lot of people say this movie does not age well. No, I mean, I don't know what people are expecting. It's from 1982. It's not like it was made whatever. It's like saying... You know, Citizen Kane doesn't hold up well because we shoot films in color now. Even something like that, you know. Yeah, there's degradation of film as a thing, so whatever. But you can't, with the look that they were going for, it's like in The Matrix, before Neo frees everybody or even realizes who he is, you know, everything in the matrix is green and everything in the real world is basically regular colors mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of that stylized kind of view 
of the real world versus the computer world. Yeah, I I thought it was cool was when I found out that they actually filmed the whole movie in black, like in black and white, like the whole digital part of it, the, the computer world part of it. Yeah. And they put like the negatives on top of it so you can have like that glow. But like the Walt Disney animation artists were the ones who painted in all the colors and stuff. I felt like that actually made it stand out more. Like I actually, now that I that I watched it, I think if I would have watched this a couple of years back, I probably would have complained about it. But like knowing how they did it, it's actually pretty interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think like the fact that I watched it off a smaller screen TV, like if I would have watched it on small, like if I would have watched it on my on my phone. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much when I watched it on my TV. Like, this is a movie that I actually wish they would put in IMAX, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So I could, like, enjoy it in its full glory, you know what I mean? I think that would be pretty cool. Um, the soundtrack, I thought, was was great. Uh, Wendy Carlos did an amazing job on all these scores. Of course, we had two songs by Journey. I'm not a real big Journey fan myself, but it is what it is. Yeah, this is Journey. There's two Journey songs in here. Yeah, I want paying attention to them, like when in the arcade, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have that. Uh, Wendy Carlos, of course, worked on two Stanley Kubrick films before this, which were The Clockwork Orange and The Shining. So she does. She does have like some experience i think working with different styles of music you know coming yeah. from both films being two completely completely different genres and then you have this which she does use like a lot of synth but also use like orchestra to like blend it in together so yeah. i actually enjoyed the scores and this and now i'm like god i gotta find this on cd or vinyl to be honest i mean i could still just listen to it on pandora or any of those sites, but I feel like it's an underrated gem as music, music wise and all that. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. Everything went together and, you know, the soundtrack was really good on it. Yeah. The, going, going to the whole, it's not held up well. Um, one thing that is always trippy to find out, which this has been mentioned a lot, maybe a lot of people should know about this already, if not, is that this film did not actually get nominated for the, um, was it? It did not get nominated for an Oscar, I guess. You know, the Academy Awards. It was disqualified when brought up for nomination for special effects. They thought that using a computer was cheating. Which yeah. is funny to me because, hey, you know, if you look at the movies that have won best effects nowadays, it's uh, way more complex stuff than what they even used on Tron. Like, it is full computers. At least for that one, they actually did computers slash actual animation slash, you know, it, yeah. it was like a mix of both, literally. And Kind of like what the Disney did with their Renaissance movies, like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, stuff like that. Yeah. Some computer in the background, but animation in the foreground. Yeah. So, I, like, what do you think of that? You think it should have been snubbed? Not really, because it just like looking at stuff now. <laughs> yeah, looking at stuff now, definitely not. But you know, if you want to go just back to that, I mean, they should not have done it because this is kind of where the industry was headed. You know, you can be a kaji old dodger or whatever you want to call it, and stick to your ways, or you can learn to try and 
get with the times, get with new technology, and see what you can do from there. Yeah, that's that's one way of seeing it. Actually, uh, that year ET ended up winning the uh, the award for best effects, which is kind of weird, coming the fact that this movie was supposed to be released that December. Of 1982, but it got pushed back or pushed like they were like uh, secret. Was the secret in him? Yeah, secret in him. Yeah, it was actually that movie was actually worked on by a lot of the ex Walt Disney studio um, artists Animated, and all yeah. that animators and stuff. So I don't know. Walt Disney's all like, "Well, let's let's put our movie against this one. Like we're gonna we're gonna knock them out, knock them out the park." But the same week, they were competing versus Blade Runner and E.T., which we all know where that, how that turned out for E.T. in the box office. Yeah. Do you think people weren't ready for this film also? Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, because... Or, or do you it, think it was, it was... I mean, it didn't, like, try to dumb itself down to the audience you know like it, it was using all the computer terms and stuff like that from the times without stopping to say okay a program is that and literally you know just like really break down dude did you understand so, any of that programming stuff they were using yeah i did not <laughs> i was looking at it like what <laughs> like i kind of I mean, to me, I know I'm asking, like, I would say, like, I wish they would have explained it more. But if they would have, I would have just been like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, let's move along, please. But, oh, man. Like, the beginning of this movie threw me for a curveball, to be honest. Like, it started off in the digital world. And I actually, I thought that was actually a pretty good plot point. Like, how they started the film. Because you actually had the film start off there. And not in the real world and it just kind of like just threw you in there like not really a backstory not really anything it's like oh you it's like you already know what's going on and i'm yeah. like well what i actually thought am i watching the wrong copy here or something or did they like you know like is this part of like a deleted scene or something yeah now starts off with clue in his tank yeah which Oh, I don't want to say. It. I'll say it later. <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was that was actually a pretty cool. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. I mean that's but, the that's the name of the program that he wrote. He just kind of like not very creative sometimes. Yeah. As you find out. So, like I was saying, this this movie had a lot going against it. Um, also, the animators at Disney didn't want to work on this film, saying computers are going to take over me and nobody's going to want us anymore, <laughs> which is weird because nowadays everything's a CGI movie that makes money, to be honest. Yeah, and you, it's not like they couldn't learn how to do computer animation. They still want to. Oh, man, you, we can say that a lot about a lot of people that had many jobs. <laughs> You can sit in your ways, don't want to learn something, don't want to do anything new. Kind of like the Academy. Mm. And then it just shit happens. Now, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. When they originally wrote the script, they wanted Robin, they had Robin Williams in mind. The original script had more comedy in it. Disney yeah. said a rewrite. And of course, they got Jeff Bridges. What do you think of that? You would. <laughs> Was he, Robin Williams even that big back then? I mean, person, I don't know. Uh, I've known, I know like '90s Robin Williams. That's why. Oh well, yeah, he. Uh, Robin Williams had been out in the public eye for a long time, and his TV show Mork and Mindy wrapped up in 1982. So that was from '78 to '82, where he played the alien with the whole Nanu Nanu. Mm. I've seen clips of it. I've never seen an actual episode. 
Oh man, I used to watch that shit all the time. As mentioned pre- on the previous episodes. <laughs> I mean, there's tons, of, but you know, there was nothing but TV back then. I couldn't just hop on the Xbox. I couldn't surf the internet. I couldn't watch well, my favorite YouTuber or any of that other shit. Everything was just TV. And if it wasn't new TV, you're watching old TV. Um, and shows from the 70s were cheap and 60s were cheap to put on. That's true. Yeah, do you, what do you think? You think Robin Williams would have worked well in this kind of scenario? Because, like, the if, movie was... No, I mean, he would have been fine if they had rewritten the script with less comedy and put him out there. He could have done it the same. He wasn't cracking 50 jokes a minute in Mork and Mindy. And they always would, like I said in prior episodes, you always had to have that very special episode of whatever show where they did something serious for sweeps weeks. And like he's had serious roles since then. Or, you know, he did have serious roles since Mork and Mindy. So it's not like couldn't have done it. Yeah. It's just honestly, like to me it it's like now that I see Jeff Bridges performance on it, I, I you know, now that it's done, like you just can't probably not see someone else in the role. Like maybe I, like reading it first and you're like, I could see it happening. And then you see the actual movie, you see the star already do the role and you're like, well, now I can't. It's like it's like saying this. What if uh, you would have had instead of Luke's instead of um, Mark Hamill, you would have had. Um, Han Solo, what's his name? Harrison Ford. You would have had Harrison Ford as Luke Skywalker, and you would have had Lando Lando Carincian as Han Solo. You think that would have worked too? Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> you, you did know that Bruce Boxleitner, the guy who played Tron, mm-hmm. he was originally cast as Luke Skywalker, but he turned it down. Are you serious? Yeah. Whoa! For what? Do you know why? No, I don't remember why. I don't think he thought it was going to go anywhere. Oh, damn. That, I, that's, that blew up in his face real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me think of like, okay, so then he thought Tron was going somewhere. That movie didn't go Jack shit nowhere either. Yeah. Not, not, I mean, not for, not a lack of trying. I mean, it, it's a good movie. Yeah, and like, to me, it's also weird, like, seeing... A young Jeff Bridges. I'm not even gonna lie to you, bro. Like when I saw him, I'm like, I didn't even recognize him till he spoke. He always has like that, yo, like that. He still has like that surfer dad talk. I don't know why. He just every time I think of him, I think of that or like a hippie. Something about him, you know. He's just, he's like, it's like just, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's probably where he got the persona but like the first thing i can well yeah that was probably that was the first thing he was in but you know he hasn't played that type of character every movie he's been been in yeah i've seen him i mean honestly every time i see him he he always he's always reminded me like a dude that's like he always he always has that hippiness to him. I don't know what like I don't know if you ever watched uh, Surf's Up. Um, it's that one movie with the penguin surfing and they have like this championship. They try to make it look like a ESPN or whatever. They'll like they'll do like little segments where they're like following with the camera and they're talking with the trying to interview them in the middle of the movie. And like uh, he's in that movie. He's one of the voices like one of the legendary penguins that like faked his death and everything and like but he, he he still has like that yo like hey mentality you know what i mean yeah so like every time i like i remember hearing him in that film and then i think it was like the big big lebowski lebowski yeah he still had like that same you know 
he's just it's always it's, to me it's just that's him like if, if i don't see him act like that it's just i'm like yo this is just weird it's not his fault i mean he's a good actor yeah i know he could play other roles but it to me is just if i don't see him act like that it's just it's just it's just weird like i also liked him in that uh r.i.p.d movie the rest in peace department it was him and um oh yeah and ryan reynolds ryan reynolds yeah so i thought i i actually really enjoyed that film and it was it was not actually because of ryan reynolds i actually enjoyed it because of him and kevin bacon i thought kevin bacon was actually pretty good in that film yeah but going back to Litrano. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He he's, he does a lot of that, but like I said, I want to say like he had a little bit of that, but I think Lebowski kind of really cemented that whole dude mentality. So this movie did spawn off a couple of video games. Did you ever play any of them? Yeah, I played the original video game in the arcades. Oh, how was that? It was hard <laughs> but you know yo man honestly like me personally i never went to arcades growing up i would like go to the washateria mm-hmm. you know down the street or chuck e cheese would be like the main one yeah but like everybody's trying or like celebration station would turn into zuma yeah but uh, I remember, like, everybody was, like, hell-bent on winning tickets. Like, that was everybody's thing. Tickets, tickets, tickets. I was like, yo, where the fuck? Give me some tokens. I'm going to go play some Ninja Turtles. Or I'm playing me some X-Men. Like, to me, we're more the arcade actual games compared to, like, the actual ticket-winning games. And that's what I really enjoyed. And when I saw the, the arcade in the movie... I, all honestly, I swear to God, I thought of this. I was all like, "Damn!" Like I actually m- miss going to Joystick. I only went once, and it was with you and like a couple of our friends. But Joystick was so much fun, and that's like I saw that same atmosphere like in the movie, and I was all like, "It just brought back that whole night, which was like so much, it was like so much fun." Yeah, and I mean, you missed out because I used to go to the arcade in the mall. Or whatever mall, but we'd go there like all the time, me and my brothers, and it was so much fun. And it had that same atmosphere every time, basically. Sometimes it'd be kind of dead in there, so you're like, eh, whatever. But there was also another place that's not around anymore. It's called Super Track, and it was a go kart. It had a little go kart track, and it had uh, this huge arcade there and you know with ski ball and tickets and all that stuff it's kind of like Mountasia now there's still a few Mountasias out there and then Celebration Station came along later but it was that whole atmosphere and everything with all the video games and the lights and the sounds and the noises everywhere and it's just almost like a sensory overload but it was something that you enjoyed yeah, because, like, literally, I think the only arcade besides those, now that I think about it, was the, the Galleria one. But every time I went in there, it was dead. It was always dead. I, I was never, like, a mall rat. Like, I never went on the weekends to the Galleria. Mm-hmm. I would um, I would go, like, during the week, so there was really nobody yeah. there. Or I would do the whole, like... I remember there, there used to be a small arcade at First Colony, but like I said, like I when friends say let's go to the mall, it's like I was you know 2002, 2005 when I was in high school, so it was like okay let's go to the mall, like they would go there and I just ru- rushed to Fye to go listen like sample the music and see what I would buy for the week, you know. Yeah, this guy, nah, I mean it was that really hot the... topic. I wasn't really like the hate. Oh yeah, I forgot you got to get your eyeliner and shit. But that yeah, wasn't I, really like the heyday of arcades. The heyday of arcades was, you know, the mid '80s. Yeah, that's that's right like after the whole Tron thing came out. That's why, like, I wish I would have been a teenager in the '80s. You know that that would have felt like more fun. Of course, it wouldn't probably have as great games. 
I mean, they're probably great games at the time, but oh, I was a teenager in the eighties, and it was pretty fucking great games <laughs> out. Can you name a couple? No, I'm not not making fun, but like, like what kind of games did you guys have back in the day? Because I remember when we went to Joystick, you were like, "Oh, I used to play this game. It was like one where we used to go up a, a like when you were a cop or something." You showed me one like where you were a cop and you were arresting people. Oh, yeah, son of a bitch! I can't remember the name of that one. Um, the one. Like I remember, uh, elevator action. That was a good one. I don't think I showed you that one at uh, joysticks. But the one you were talking about is where you would chase from a top-down perspective. You would chase people, and you have to pull over different people that were honking. You had to pull over people that were littering, and then you had the one major <laughs> bad guy that you had to pull over with each stage, and. Once you were able to pull them over, the captain would, or your chief, your captain, whatever, would walk down the stairs and he's adjusting his belt. And meanwhile, you're in the interrogation room trying to shake a shake a confession out of the criminal. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Being a confession out of the guy. But yeah, that was a fun one. Jeez, uh, there were so many. Um, Space Age. Space Ace was good, but it was based off of Dragon's Quest or something like that. But they had a dragon in the title. The first Street Fighter was fun. I'm not talking about Street Fighter 2, but Street Fighter 2 was good. But the very first one, when it was a side-scroller with Ken as player one, and I mean Ken as player two and Ryu as player one. Hmm. Um, was that more like uh, what you say? Side scrolls like a beat 'em up? Yeah, like a beat 'em up, like Turtles in Time or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it had these huge, huge trapezoidal buttons on the controller, and you had to actually hit the buttons so that the person on screen would hit and punch and whatever kick. You know, you had one for punch, one for kick, and you had to just beat the shit out of these. Thanks. Nah, it was great. I'd like, obviously, you know, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol was one I liked a lot. I don't uh, quite remember Moon Patrol. Defender. Robotron. I really liked Robotron. Um, mm. There were so many. So many. You know, <laughs> ghouls and ghosts. Are you talking about the one with the little guy with the you hit him once, he goes to his boxers, King you Arthur, hit him again. Yeah. Oh man, dude. Oh shit. There, there was an arcade. I yeah, think it was an arcade so, first. Dicks would ate up so many quarters. Oh yeah, it did eat up a ton of fucking quarters. Joust and Qbert. I played the shit out of Qbert. Oh, did you actually know that the Tron video game actually made more money than the movie? Yeah, I looked that it, up. It outgrossed it. I think Tron made a like the movie had a budget of seven million, mm-hmm. seventeen million, like, something like that. Yeah, and it it made it made about like it made it made I think like ten million more or something or something. It made it over. It made oh, a I decent saw it made over. like thirty three million or so, but fifty million worldwide. Okay, and then the the game made how much did the game? I can't. Are you I sure? It was, what I saw was game and licensing made over seventy million. Hmm. Damn. Yeah. To be I mean, by the I, game. I played the game. The game was fun. You know, doing the light cycles and the discs, or the the discs, and then the playing the high version of high lie where you got to eliminate the circles on the floor and at the very end you had to just keep throwing your disc at the different rotation rotating squares that would go around the master control program and you had to eventually get it in there and kill them and just start over again huh did you, well i remember you said you had an atari 2600 did you did you have tron on on atari no 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 atari I know it did have a release on that one. That's why. 
Um, well, yeah, let's let's also talk about these. I'm trying to think what arcades were in my time. It was like Ninja Turtles, X-Men, The Simpsons. Yeah. Simpsons never got a fucking actual like port to play like at home. Yeah. Um, I think by my time too, we had like a lot of the shooters. Like the like you know how you had the, the Terminator games or the alien games where you like hold the gun. Yeah. And like you shoot at the at the screen. We had a bunch of those. Uh After like that was when Namco brought all their their shooters. The time crisis. Time crisis and typing of the dead and or I mean House of the Dead, whatever. I used to love playing House of the Dead. I was so happy when, when my homeboy had the Dreamcast. I had I still have the guns. <laughs> so I actually wanna I actually wanna do something with that. Like I, I need to find a copy of like House of the Dead or Time Crisis. I, I remember the code. It was like you hit the the the, the little thing, the little the little like um aim site. You hit that like twice or three times, and then you go down to like the one of the letters, and you shoot at us on a certain spot on the letter, and it'll give you infinity lives. Yeah, so you can carry fifty one. Oh man, I missed. I used to always play that at CC's Pizza. Yeah. Did you ever so, go into the do the secret thing where you could be the aliens? No, I never did that. It was like you had to blow up this barrel, and then you had to shoot that guy when the tank or when the jeeps rolled across and you had to do this alien and shoot that light and then you'd be in a bathroom and there'd be aliens at the urinals and you had to kill them all real quick or whatever and then you could go into a little room and you'd be the alien or something like that hmm i used to play those that's interesting i I gotta see i gotta see that and i I wanted to play without the sound was my brothers always wanted to play the damn Aerosmith shooter. Uh huh. There's an Aerosmith shooter. You didn't know about that? Hell no. It's a fucking stand up with the guns on the console, like you were, like with the Terminator. Uh huh. It's basically the same damn game. What are yeah. you shooting at? You shooting at? I don't even fucking remember. And then you hit the button on the side and a big disc like a record comes out and blows up everything (laughs) sounds awkward and weird it was dumb but yeah we still beat it anyway it was one of those things it's like my brothers and i would go to rnk like oh what do i play oh we're gonna play this all right let's fucking beat it we just sit there until we beat the damn game see i used to play those but like the thing is i would always not cheat I would always stand behind people and watch them play it for a long time. Yeah. Because my mom would be very frugal with the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. She'd be like, ah, you want to play? Here's $2. But mom, what if I die all these times? Then you better make sure you don't die. I said, like, God damn it. Like, yeah, do you know no, how... We would... I was like, do you know how good I had to get at Marvel vs. Capcom? <laughs> or Marvel vs. Yeah. Street Fighter? Or is it Street Fighter vs. X-Men? Like, I had to get good at all those fucking games because I never wanted, like, I would get mad that I would beat somebody, and then you see the motherfucker put a coin in, and I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to beat the game here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, now we do that shit. Play all those, but I mean, we could go down to the, we had two different 7-Elevens by where we lived, and we could ride our bikes down there and go play whatever the hell. That's where I first played Captain Commando. Oh, I played that one. That one's pretty good. I like that one. And also, um, Art of Fighting. The first time I played that was at a grocery store before I worked at that same grocery store. <laughs> I think I played Mortal Kombat for the first time at a fiesta. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was at a fiesta. Yeah, they had Mortal Kombat at that store, too. The Captain Commando, I played at a Washateria. Yeah. Yeah. What did the local Washington have for us? It was some other game. I can't even remember. I mean, we had the washer and dryer, but if they broke down, then we'd go to the laundromat and play down there. For some reason, I can actually, I don't know why I can just picture you, like, fucking up the washer and dryer and be like, hey, it's fucked up. Let's go play some video games. Oh, no. No. 
you know, the kind of people that hung out in the laundromats? No. I don't might have run into you there. Uh, take you, man. Get your own Stone Cold salute right here. Fuck you, man. Game over, man. Game over. Hey, you know the guy who, uh, the guy who played Dillinger? I didn't like him before this movie. He has because a villain voice. I've heard his voice somewhere. Yeah, he's played several villains. He was he was also uncredited as the voice of MCP. MCP, the Master M- Control Program. Oh yeah, do everybody in this movie had a, a human a digital counterpart? <laughs> so well, it's yeah, like, his digital counterpart surprised. was Sark or whatever, but he also was the MCP. So you'd be talking to himself or whatever. But there's a, another movie called Time Bandits. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That one's been forever, too. That will be one of our future talks. I'm telling you that right now. Well, the guy who played Dillinger was evil in that movie. You remember that? Yeah. I think the, the last Time Machine movie that I remember the most is The Time Machine. Time traveling one, or besides Looper, I like Looper too. I think a Looper is an underrated film. Many people haven't even watched it and talking shit about it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm just like, I've never seen it. I've read about it and I've read the plot and everything. I'm like, mm, that seems kind of, but you know. Well, for for being a sci-fi movie, it's actually a pretty good action movie. That, that's the thing. It actually has some pretty cool action sequences. I don't really watch action movies, but that, I, I actually sat down and I enjoyed that one. Like, it's it's weird. I was going to say, um, we actually have not talked. Well, you, you just reminded me of a scene in the film. You remember the scene where, like, Dillinger's talking to the master computer? And like the master computers are like, well, I try to hack into the Pentagon, and then just like, what the, heck? what are you talking about? You're trying to, and he's like, well, I'm tired of just looking up like the competition. I'm like, I'm trying to like, it's like the robots, like I'm thinking above and beyond, like I'm thinking above outside yeah. the box. Yeah, the master then, control program has overwritten his own code. Yeah, but the part that made me laugh is like, well, now I'm like 120 times smarter. But remember, give me those Chinese translation codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah Dillinger's what? like, I wrote you, I wrote the fucking program that you're based, you know, I wrote you as a program. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm 2,425 times smarter than that now. But I don't know what Chinese is, so. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, what? Like, I swear to God, like, I actually rewind the scene on, like, did he really just say that? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was like, yeah, for a master computer, huh? Yeah, but we actually haven't talked about the kind of gladiator games they had going on in this movie, which yeah, you did mention the one with the we we did mention the bikes, which for who has not cycles. watched the yeah, light cycles, which you have not watched the film, uh, the light cycles are they practically throw like a beam of light behind them. It's like playing yeah. that game, uh, centipede or is it centipede or snake. Where you would eat the the things and you would turn yourself into a, a longer snake, snake, and, yeah. you, and you wouldn't try to hit your back because that's what these light cycles will leave. They will leave the light. Yeah, and this back. was the first time I ever saw anything like that. And they've been reproduced lots of different ways, like in the game Snake and other games. Like there's a game called Pummel Party where you ride a broomstick and it has a trail of light behind you. It and you can't run into the other person's light, and the trail gets longer and longer. But it was such a a novel idea to me at the time. Yeah, the only, I only only had like one slight problem, and I don't know because I've never played the actual game. Like you, you know the scenes when they're like riding side by side, and then like the one on the far goes first, and then the person under it turns like real quick next to it. Does that ever happen in the actual arcade? Does it, or if it does, does it give you time to actually like turn as well? Because no, that's, that's the it. whole point of it. The whole point is to make the person run into your trail. So you turn in front of them, you they have to turn immediately. 
so that they don't run into it. Which is kind of what they tried to show in the film, but you know, they, they didn't translate perfectly. Yeah, but like, like you're so, saying, they have to go and these, this guy turns, so he turns, so this turns, so that turns, whatever. Yeah, but, but like the way they were doing it in the movie is like, you know, they're going side by side, side by side. Oh, shit, turn, turn, turn. Like, like you know, like it was like a like yeah. that quick of a turn. Like what I'm saying is like in the arcade, when he turned, was there like, was there enough time for you to react or was it because in the movie? It no, yeah, there's enough time. There's enough time to react. In I mean, but you have to be. You have to be paying attention. You have to be paying attention to who your opponent is. So basically, as you're playing this game, you just have to intuitively know where you are. And if you're going side by side with somebody, you're not watching your guy. You're watching the other guy because if he cuts in front of you, you want to just cut instantly. Mm. I'm kind of giving away a little bit of strategy there, but you know, I mean. I got you asked, so yeah, no, I mean it's because it's it's something that I I find like interesting, like how how do they take these actual games from like these? Cause I I call them like gladiator games. Yeah, basically, which that's what they were kind of ideas came from. Like even the whole idea for Tron came from the the director and the writer, who's also the writer on the film, that he was playing, he was addicted to Pong. So that's like the whole idea. But it wasn't just like the game itself. It was like he had the idea of like the digital universe because of of what he was playing. So you have that game. It it looked like fun. I actually like I wish I could play it. Honestly, now I'm hoping to go back to Joystick and find it there. I'm sure they got it. They They have like so many games too. They do. They they had the one. Uh, this, this is the one that threw me off guard because like they literally just kept throwing Flynn into all these fucking games. Just like here you go. It's like it's like yeah. he was done with one, and there you go. Go to the next oh, one. Because MCP wanted him dead because he'd been trying to break in and basically usurped MCP for years and years, or for a while. So the one with the discs, like you said like break the the circles. <clears throat> So was it like? No, no, no. Is, I was talking about the floor circles with the yeah, high yeah. ally. When they held the ball and they would have to bounce the ball off the roof and hit the floor. Yeah, is, didn't the guy that met Ram? Didn't isn't that where he that he died? Yeah, he did, the accounting program died there because yeah, they put him up against Flynn in Flynn's first game. And Flynn didn't want to kill him, and but yeah, of okay. course he didn't want. So Sark that was is like fuck you, and he kills him right in front of Flynn, and then he almost kills Flynn, but he remembered what MCP said about making him die in the games. But the discs, the discs were their, you know, basically their existence on a disc, and every time they learned something new, it would be written onto the disc. But if the disc was destroyed, they were too, mm. and. uh so they made them fight with their own discs and like frisbee war each other and and just hit the opponent. Hmm. Our brothers and I would do that sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I think that's we were how... just playing frisbee against each other and then reenacted. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. You you also have the scenes where. They they make the grand escape and it was using the the cycles, uh, like the whole light cycle scene. Like I think that's kind of like to me was like the pod race on episode one. You know, like it's kind of something that stole the show for me. Yeah. Like and then you have them escaping and then like running away from the tanks. I thought that was the movie. I, it felt like it has some kind of comedy elements to it. Uh, the oh, tank. Okay. Like hits the the edge of the cliff, gets knocked over. Like to me, the funniest scene. It's so simple, yet I found it to be like the har 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 of the movie was when like Flynn create like he was able to build the robot, assemble it. Like it just like came together, and then to try to put the last piece, and it just like like oh no, this is too fucked up. Bloop, falls right off. 
Yeah, he tells uh, he tells Ram now this is real user power, and then the leg falls off, or the yeah. part of the leg falls off. I could I couldn't stop laughing. Like I I woke the entire house up because of that scene. Like because it just came out of left field for me. Yeah. So there's one scene though I was a little trippy about. I was all like, are like I thought Flynn and Ram were about to kiss. <laughs> Legit. Ram was like doing this whole thing with his mouth, and I'm like, what? Wait, what? Are they are they about? To, they, I I never wow. anything about it. Like it just looked too much like a man and a woman were in that scene. It was about to be a kiss about to happen. Well, that Which just comes I, from his. That's I mean, that's his. Their whole for some of the programs, that's their whole religion thing, and it's like now he's introduced to. His deity, his deity, yeah, the user, and he's just like, I, I can't, I don't, what, I, you know, I'm, that's why his mouth was doing the weird shit. Mm. I don't know. To me, it just looked a little funny. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not saying it didn't look like they were not going to get intimate or whatever, but that was more the reasoning behind it, not that they wanted to lean in and do a man-on-man action. Mm. Then you have the scene where like. The boy didn't know how to land it or what happened, but that thing fell apart. Uh, yeah, Flynn comes, Flynn comes out and like sees like two two program hookers by the looks of it. <laughs> Just calling them program yeah. hookers. They had to be. Because that was a pretty uh, intimate look there, guy. But yeah, it's after that. It Like I said, the movie flows so well like just straight to the point on everything there's they don't sugarcoat anything it just goes straight through uh the final act with the fight as that's where i literally sat and was like yo this really needs to go on imax or something like yeah it it looked it looked just like so bright it was so it was just so cool you know and i thought yo why are so people complaining about the the graphics i understand like they look weird or the black and white thing or whatever but like it didn't really matter to me because i you uh, you haven't played kingdom hearts correct yeah so i forget it's kingdom hearts one or two there's an actual tron area and like they have like sora like in the tron get up and like uh, donald and goofy as well and they're going through the game and like tron is an actual third party member that you can use during that level just like you know, all the other levels, you can use a third-party Disney member. Yeah. So that that's what was so cool about it. Like, I I thought it was when I first played the the Kingdom Hearts game, I was like, man, like ever since then, I was like, I gotta watch Tron. I need to watch Tron. You know, like I've always been, it's always been in the back of my head. I I want to watch it. Yeah. You know, like. Honestly, even like Kingdom Hearts was like a, a cool way for me to rekindle that. Hey, I you know I remember, I kind of remember this, but I I want to get back into it, you know. So it was, I actually got to go with Kingdom Hearts for me even having the idea to to watch it again, to be honest. So, and they had like Sora in. He wasn't like colored. He was colored like the movie, like the 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 the, the gray, which was like the black and white, and everything. And I thought I thought that was actually pretty cool when I saw it like for a PS2 game. So when I saw it on on the on the for the movie, it didn't really bother me. And this yeah. a lot of people say that it bothers them that that it, they look like that and the background looks the way it does. For me, it was it was amazing acting because. This movie was not done on a green screen. It was done on a black screen. Like yeah. they literally were like acting like theater acting where they don't have props, where they don't have this, they don't have that. Like if anything, like the the, the control panels was literally just a black table and yeah. everything was painted on it, you know, and that's like the cool thing about it. So like for the action sequences, the acting, I thought it was I thought it was pretty fucking solid. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's all good. It just, you know, I don't, I don't see why people are complaining because, like you said, there's all the color was added later. 
and they're just going through the motions wearing these gray tight bodysuits and not wondering what the or not knowing what it's gonna look like afterwards. Yeah, they pretty much found out what the what was the hell they were looking at when the movie came out in theaters. Like their their premiere night. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you said with the uh the whole vibrancy of the end, it's it you got a piece of that when the three of them after they broke out of the the game, they uh they found that pure source of energy and were drinking it up and then all of a sudden they get brighter. Is it me or does it seem like sometimes like their their emotions, their 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 suit changed, like their their oh, glow yeah. changed? I noticed that. Not to bring up the second one, but the, uh, the second one didn't have something like that. This one did, and, it, and it's yeah. something that I was all like, "Huh?" Like it, it it felt more natural. Yeah, more natural, more like organic, more real kind of. Because you know why wouldn't I mean? Yeah, maybe it's speculation. Yeah, but why wouldn't a program, as it's expending more energy, become brighter? You know, light bulbs used to do that. Mm. You get a power surge, the light bulb brightens up, and then pops or whatever. Yeah, but like I was saying, like the the final confrontation, I thought it was cool. Like they were doing the disc fighting. Like, uh, what do you call it again? I don't want to say it. The like, Tron discs. Tron discs. Yeah. They're doing that, and like he at the end, like fucking just throws in, like hits him right in the head, like it's like it's just a straight like his brains out. (laughs) And then it's kind of cool. Fucking falls over, all his brain and blood are spilling out of the thing. That was always awesome to me when I was little. (laughs) I looked at that shit. I was like, damn, they, damn, they're just lucky. It's fucking cybernetics and all that. Because it was cool, like when you see like the, like the like. I guess the brain's like falling out. It's like all these little like data chips or whatever. Yeah, like data cues or whatever. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. I honestly, for its time, it's it fucking worked. Yeah. So that's why I feel like a lot of people say, "Oh, this movie doesn't hold up" or anything. I I think they're probably just looking. They're reading the wrong reviews. Yeah. And they, it's just, it's, I feel like Tron is just something that every person should just, for themselves, just check out. Yeah, check it out. Cause like we've expounded upon how much we like it. And we can't be the only ones. My brothers yeah. like it. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff to the film. So we're at the end here. Definitely passed over the time. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, would I would I recommend this film? I would highly recommend this film uh, for anyone who's into tech, like the not techno, but techno noir kind of style. The synth wave, like if you're like nowadays, synth wave has made a comeback. I feel like if you enjoy that kind of atmospheric style of music, uh, this is literally the atmosphere for it. Yeah. So I say completely check this out. Uh, v, would you say, yay or nay? I'm I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure I'm answer that. <laughs> Just go do it. It's great. So yeah, man. Ah, I could not realize how I don't even realize how this thing could even have gone in any other different direction. But let's welcome in that new year and see what's up. Shit. Oh man. You know what? Where could people find you, Avi? Oh, yeah, you can look, uh, look me up on social media, whatever, at E-L-C-I-D-L-C-I-D, the first. All right. And for myself, you can find me at XXLeoXR2D2XX on the Instagram. For the whole podcast, you can find us at Nimrod Generation Podcast. One word. So with that, we ring in the new year. Should we listen to um, some synthwave, new wave, or just listen to the sounds of the peoples? Yeah, we could also do something relatively new to this podcast. Let's uh, review a sequel. Oh.